Welcome to Here for Her Health, where we are building a better, healthier every day for women. Brought to you by Organon. Welcome back to Here for Her Health, where we're building a better and healthier every day for every woman. I'm your host, Wendy Lund, and today on the show, I talk with none other than the CEO of Healthy Women, Beth Badalino. After more than 25 years in the healthcare industry, Beth started HealthyWomen.org, which has been recognized by Forbes as one of the leading websites for women's health. In addition to running the award-winning organization, Beth is also a registered nurse and holds degrees in political science, business, and public administration. With credentials like that, we're lucky to have her here today to discuss and debunk common myths surrounding pregnancy, menopause, and aging. I can't help but smile today because I'm so excited to have Beth Badalino, CEO of Healthy Woman, the nation's leading independent health information source for women. Beth and I go way, way back to the very, very early parts of our career. I feel like we've grown up together in this industry, and I am so proud and honored not only just to work with her, but to call her my friend. We have partnered on so many projects. I've always been so inspired by her and the work Healthy Woman does in providing health resources tailored for very unique and often overlooked health experiences of women. So Beth, welcome. I just feel so warm and happy to see you on screen. Thank you. And I did all my friend. I, I was looking forward to speaking with you today. And I am so proud of you and all the work that you've done in your career for women in the healthcare field. And now with your new position at Organon, I'm just so, so, so pleased and proud of all the work that you guys are doing, the great work for women. So we're going to have a mutual love fest over the next few minutes. And more importantly, we get to pool our resources and talk about things that we do for women. And Beth, one of the things I was really excited about knowing you're a huge advocate for women as they age is knowing that you were named 2021 Menopause Taboo Smashers list by Electra Health. I saw that online. I was super thrilled. I was like, no one deserves this more than Beth and Healthy Women. Thanks. And as you know, Electra Health is a menopause and educational organization. It's such an amazing honor to be included as a menopause advocate alongside such visionary leaders and other fierce female trailblazers like yourself who break taboos and redefine what is possible for women experiencing menopause. So tell me more about what Healthy Women is doing to shatter the barriers that keep women from talking about menopause without shame. I know this has been a big issue for both of us over the years. It's been a huge issue. And so, you know, I'm going to go back to when I started at Healthy Women in 1991, right, right out of college. And, you know, I was the one that was answering the phones because there was no internet at the time. And, and just hearing women ask about or talk about hot flashes, talk about hormone therapy. And then the Women's Health Imperative study came out, if you remember. I do. And every woman that was on hormone therapy felt that they immediately had to stop. And I was, again, fielding those phone calls. And then fast forward, and women are still as confused about hormone therapy. And so many healthcare providers do not bring it up during the visit and are not having those conversations. So we at Healthy Women said, we're putting a stake in the ground. We need answers. And I'm not going to be here 15 years from now talking about the same things. We need to change the conversation. And so there are so many great leaders, and I was just as excited as you were when I saw my name pop up for that award among all those other leaders in, in women's health. 
But I feel like with the North American Menopause Society, with the Nurse Practitioners in Women's Health, with the great association, the American Academy of Nurse Practitioners, we are changing the conversation and we are putting resources into midlife health because this should not be a stigma. Like aging should be something we embrace, right? There's no shame in aging, but what we want as women is to age smart, age well. So it's putting that positive spin and it should be positive, but making sure women have the information, the resources available to them so that they can make educated decisions on what they need to do as they approach midlife health. And Beth, I think there is such momentum for so many women to join in that movement. You know, I remember too, when WHI came out and was just so blown away by how quickly women turned kind of off the faucet and how information coming to them was non-existent. I know you and I have talked about this. When I saw you, what is it, five years ago now, and I came running up to you and I said, we have to do something about women in menopause. And you were already, of course, three steps ahead of me. There just is so much more we can do to unmute her and help her really talk about this and shatter those stigmas and really share the information that women so desperately need. So we also know that menopause isn't just about reproductive health, right? And that this change affects women and their lives and their overall health in myriad ways. Can you talk a little bit about what you think about healthy aging in general? You've really dug in deep on this over the last few years. And what are some of the other ways women should be prioritizing their health? So I love that question. And and what we've done is look at midlife health. So really that 35 to 64 year age bracket. And what we want to do is change the conversation. And what I mean by that is we should not be in our 40s and 50s where we're getting diagnosed with diabetes or heart disease or osteoporosis, right? Because if we learn and start putting ourselves on the A-list, and what I mean by that is what we found at Healthy Women is so many women during our 30s, 40s, and 50s, we do not prioritize us. We do not prioritize our health. What we do is prioritize everyone else, our kids. We're taking care of aging parents, family members, even our dog comes on that list before our health. We will make sure the dog has their veterinary appointment and we will cancel our mammogram. So we're Healthy Women is all about changing that. We want to prioritize her health and we know we'll never be number one on the list, but let's aim for number three, right? Where we can take care of ourselves. We will make sure we have those our annual wellness visit. It's so important to take care of you Because if you don't take care of you, you are not going to be there to take care of yourself. And when it comes to midlife health, there's always been that stigma like, oh, I'm not aging. I'm not in that age bracket. And we don't know what to expect because no one's telling us, right? And even our moms haven't shared that information because it's almost like the C word was in the 60s and 70s. We never said cancer, right? So it's almost like that silent, you'll go through it, but we're not going to talk about it. So we're changing that that whole perception where we want people to age and we want them to age well. So understanding what is going to happen to you and making sure that you're prepared through education and making sure that you're aware that you're not the only one going through this. All of us are going through it and hearing from other women that have gone through it successfully. It's a win-win. And so that's what healthy women is doing. We're changing the conversation. Right. And if I know 
anyone's going to do it, it's going to be you, Beth, because you have done it over the past many years. So let's talk about another C word that we've actually been spending a lot of time talking about, which is COVID, right? So since the COVID-19 pandemic, there has been a shift in the way Americans, particularly women, consume and seek out healthcare and, and information. And it would be just be interested, you know, you're dealing with so much information, women on a daily basis. From your point of view, how have women's emotional and physical health behaviors and healthcare decisions been impacted during the pandemic? And how can we educate women about the effects of having prolonged their preventive care? Kind of these well-known secrets. You know, how do we kind of push these forward and make sure that women are taking a care of not only their mammograms, of course, but colonoscopies and all those preventive treatments. And I say that as a call out because, you know, we, we really do need to kind of prioritize ourselves. And I think where men can come in and be incredibly instrumental here is understanding, gathering their own information, supporting their people in their lives and saying, hey, I'll take care of that for five minutes. You go do X, Y, Z, PDQ to prioritize your health. So tell us a little bit about what your experience has been through this time. No, I love it. I love the partnership approach, but going back to the COVID. So it was interesting, right? And there was no blueprint of how we were going to manage this. But what we do know is that women were still tuning in. So our ability to get the information out in webinars, the importance of understanding how telemedicine worked, because that was a huge game changer for many women, for many people during COVID, where they were still able to communicate with their healthcare provider, but it was through their computer or on their phone. So making sure consumers understood how that worked and what they needed to do and making sure that they were prepared for that meeting. So that's what healthy women did during the COVID time. And we also did the reminder as we were kind of coming out and once the vaccines became available, reminding people that they can start making their appointments and keeping their appointments because there was no safer time. I mean, even for myself, when I went for my mammogram during COVID or after I had my vaccine, I'm like, this was awesome because my appointment was right on time. There was no one in the waiting room. I never felt safer from germs than I did during that time period. So it was a great reminder to tell everyone, please keep your appointments. You're going to be seen. It's safe. And there's no reason not to, whether you're getting your vaccine, whether you're getting your colonoscopy, whether you're getting your mammogram, or it's just your annual women's wellness visit, it is important to make sure you keep those appointments. And, you know, to your point, the opportunity for healthcare providers, know you're a L&D nurse, right? You work here at the local hospital, you know, to over-index on reminding their patients what to do and to not step back. I had an experience when I went in for my mammogram because I sit in that risk group. My doctor, who I know you know, said, well, you didn't go for that MRI I told you to go for last year. What is the story? And I was like, well, I was nervous because of COVID, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, okay, stop make that appointment and do it. And if I hear otherwise, I'm going to really come back to you. I'm going to be checking in on this. So that got me actually nervous that she was going to come back and check on me. And you know, now, of course, I'm making that appointment, but it's really up to all of us to remind each other. I'm constantly reminding my friends and, you know, did you get your mammogram? Did you get your colonoscopy? Are you getting your preventative care? Are you getting your blood work? All those things are critical for us to take care of ourselves because our families are depending on us and and our friends and all the you know people around us. So, you know, if you didn't get the message now, anyone listening to this, please go do it. It's really really important. Beth and I are huge advocates. Yeah, no, it is. And get your flu shot. Get your you know if you're ready, do for your booster shot. Get your booster shots. It's so important. So take care of you. Yes, exactly. 
So let's talk a little bit about this mentality that women also have about grin and bear it. We've talked to a number of physicians and other advocates who talk about the fact that, you know, through many different types of conditions and areas, women tend to grin and bear it through menstruation, through, through endometriosis, through pregnancy, et cetera, et cetera. Talk a little bit about your observations around this grin and bear it attitude that discourage women for advocating from what they need. Zero tolerance at this day and age for grin and bear it, right? So we look at, let's, you know, you mentioned endometriosis, seven to 10 years for a proper diagnosis of endometriosis in 2021. That is absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. More research that needs to be put into ovarian cancer. Like we had one test that, and it was mostly false positive testing. We need to do better than that. And the fact that, again, women are not prioritizing their health, zero tolerance for that. And then the whole idea of periods, right? Like we've been working on a program to make sure that younger women kind of embrace this change instead of feeling ashamed and that they have to hide it, right? So if we can do better, and this is where that whole change the conversation comes in, if we can start embracing and making all women feel proud to be a woman, proud to be that their bodies are changing and changing for the better, as we age, we will change the conversation. So as we hit midlife health and postmenopause, we're embracing it, we're better educated, and we're doing things that are preventative. So we don't have osteoporosis. So we don't have cervical cancer because we're going in for our pap test. And so mammograms, you know, the whole idea of prevention, earlier diagnosis, so they can catch it at the earliest stages instead of a stage three or stage four. Right. Thank you. Thank you, Beth. So one of the things, you know, you obviously are coming into tremendous contact with women on a day-to-day basis as president and CEO of Healthy Women, but also you've maintained your practice. You're interacting with women on a regular basis through your being a labor and delivery nurse. And, you know, this is obviously very pertinent to the fact that you're delivering babies and you're working with women all the time. In what areas of maternal health do you feel like we have made the most strides since you started your career? And where do you see the largest gaps and what types of innovations are needed to ensure that all women have healthy pregnancies and deliveries? I think the prenatal care is so important and we've seen people access to the doctors and to that prenatal period expand, which is so awesome. The hospital system that I work in has a clinic so people that have are underinsured or no insurance can be seen. And they're, you know, really great doctors and nurses that staff that. So that's awesome to see in our community. And then I think the biggest thing is postpartum depression and the whole mental health angle. I think we're seeing that change overall. But from maternal child health perspective, Governor Cody's wife did such a great job with sharing her experience here in the New Jersey area and really putting a face, like a prominent face to, yes, I had this condition and this is what happened. And this is how, you know, I worked with it for my second and third pregnancies. We're seeing that becoming real women are sharing their stories and we have the resources. And now we're making sure that there's like protocol in the hospital before we discharge patients, which wasn't there when I started at the hospital in 1998, you know, so we give them the Endenberg test and the the score on that test will indicate whether they need counseling, but we also have follow-up support group. One of my favorite nurses, Karen Edwards, runs it out of our hospital system where 
if women want a follow-up, they just have to check it on a form and she calls them and she has a support group in place for these new moms to just help them. And sometimes it's just the baby blues where it's like a two week period where you go through a transition and your hormones are kind of wacky and then they come down and other people need their hand held a little bit longer and may need not only like a therapy or support group, but may need some medication for a short time to help them through that transition from pregnancy to, you know, now having that baby and that new family. And the fact that we can support these moms is so important. So that's where I've seen the biggest change. So it's just, it's been kind of a fun past. Now I'm thinking almost 20 years. Yeah. It keeps coming back to the 20 years, doesn't it? No, it really does. Actually, I just thought of that when I said that. I'm like, 20 years. Wow. Yeah, no, but it's been awesome. And being able to work during COVID was also one of those things where you didn't have a blueprint. And we saw a lot of our moms wanting to be discharged early. And what we've seen is it can be successful as long as they have that support. And it was unique, right? Because they didn't have their family and friends coming over to support them. But because they had access to internet or their smartphones, they were still able to communicate as nurses, if we know that new mom needed extra support, we could Zoom chat with her during a time that was convenient with her and make sure that she felt the support and love as if we were there in person. Maybe not 100% the same, but she still felt it. And we've seen success stories with being able to discharge these patients earlier. That's amazing. So Beth, it's always a pleasure and always an honor to be with you, whether it's on this or in other ways. Is there anything else you'd like to add? You want to talk, maybe preview a little bit of what the future holds? So the future for women's health within Healthy Women is that we are changing the conversation. We are going to make sure that women know that aging smart, aging well is going to be part of the dialogue and is going to be the new norm. We are going to embrace our bodies. We're going to, from head to toe, and we're going to make sure that people feel educated, engaged, and empowered to take care of themselves. We are no longer going to be on the B list. We will be on the A list. And I promise you that in 10 years from now, we are not going to be talking about the same things about we should have, could have you know, done it. We will be doing it, prioritizing our health. Such an inspiration. And we are right there with you, Beth. So you know, please, let's uh, figure out how to basically, like you said, unmute her and give her that voice and change the conversation and move onto that A-list. It's just so incredibly important. I feel the energy in the air for the future. I know the future is bright for us. And even though it may have taken 20 years to get here, the good news is I think we're going to get there. All right, Beth. So before we part ways, I want to make sure that we get a little bit of myth busters in with you, knowing you know everything there is around all these subjects. And I'm just going to go through and kind of share some myths. And if you can either embrace them or bust them, okay, we'll see where we get to. Okay. So pregnancy myth number one, all women have strange and intense food cravings while pregnant. No, not true. Pregnancy myth number two, you can tell the baby's sex while pregnant. Yes. Pregnancy myth number three, you can't exercise or live your normal life while pregnant. False. Big false. Now let's move on to menopause and healthy aging. Menopause number one. I know a lot of women are going to care about these ones. Menopause myth number one. Menopause always begins at age 50. False. Menopause myth number two. Menopause kills your sex drive completely. False. Okay. Women's aging myth number one. As women age, part of aging gracefully is their life slowing and eventually stagnating. Who wrote that? Come on. Big false. Big false. 
Women's aging myth number two, as women age, they crave solitude more and it becomes difficult to build or maintain relationships. False. The big myth about women, they're the second sex and somehow less valuable to society. Wendy, <laughs> absolutely not. We know that's a huge big false. <laughs> no one should ever say that in our presence. Well, Beth, I'm going to say goodbye now and just say thank you again. Really excited to be with you here. And thank you for all of your initiatives and all your incredible work. Thank you, Wendy. It was a pleasure. A huge thank you to Beth for being here today to debunk some of the myths surrounding women's health and helping us show that a lot of misconception about women's aging, pregnancy, or menopause are just laughably wrong. Be sure to hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts so that you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Wendy Lund, and thank you all for listening to Here For Her Health, building a better and healthier everyday for every woman.